listening to a Sharesies podcast. Kia ora, nā mihi nui, kia koutou katoa. Welcome to this special interview brought to you by Sharesies. Uh, as you may have heard over the past week or so, Air New Zealand has announced a $2.2 billion uh, capital raise. So today we are doing a special interview with Air New Zealand CEO, Greg Foran, to get a better understanding about what's behind the substantial capital raise and the company's aspirations. Now, the questions we'll be putting to Greg are from you, our investors, uh, who have asked our investor team and uh, over our social channels some questions. So we will endeavour to answer as many as possible, but uh, we won't be able to get to everything today. And we will also be making this webinar available as a podcast. So that's via Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And a replay will be uploaded on YouTube. So my name's Susanna and I'm the Head of uh, Equity Capital Markets and Company Partnerships here at Sharesies. And I'm Alice. I'm also in Suze's team at the Equity Capital Markets and Company Partnerships. Now, before we get into today's discussion, we do have a legal disclaimer that we need to read out. Uh, so investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide today is general only and current at the time. If you are looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. We won't be providing any personalised advice as part of this webinar. And finally, Sharesies will be paid a fee from Air New Zealand for distributing the offer to Sharesies investors. Also, just a quick reminder, uh, we won't be taking any questions from the audience today. Uh, we also will not be asking Greg any specific questions about the rights offer uh, as Air New Zealand is unable to respond to questions of that nature. And with all of that uh, housekeeping out of the way, welcome Greg. Kia ora. Good to see you, Alice, Susanna. Good to be on and welcome to everyone who's on this afternoon. Yeah, great. Thanks, Greg. Uh, so Air New Zealand recently announced a 2.2 billion recapitalisation package. Could you please explain what this is and why Air New Zealand is doing this? Well, it's uh, exactly as you described, a, a chance to get our balance sheet in order. You know, we've been working on this for some time, as you can imagine, and uh, been very thoughtful about how we pull it together, both in terms of the amount and also the composition. So, you know, as you've you've seen, we're, we're out there raising some equity. The government, of course, is contributing their 51% of equity. We've got a redeemable uh, share in the, in the mix there of 600 million. And that's, if you like, a bit of a bridge until we get out there to the debt capital markets, which we intend to do at some stage in the in the very near future. And that will see us, uh, you know, repay that uh, redeemable preference share, probably down to leaving just 200 million. And then we've got a $400 million crown standby facility. And I guess the way that I refer to that generally is it's a bit of an insurance policy. Should we suddenly find ourselves in, you know, a another pandemic situation that required a significant lockdown. Don't intend to use that. We think between the, the equity that we'll be raising um, in terms of the debt that will replace the uh, redeemable share, we think we're in a good position. We've got good line of sight to the borders. So a very thoughtful um, stack that's been pulled together, well composed, and you know, gives us a chance now to get on and operate the business. 
recent investor presentation, it does say that Air New Zealand's equity position has been and will continue to be negatively impacted until Air New Zealand returns to profitability. Uh, so could you please tell us when Air New Zealand expects this to be and essentially what is that path to financial recovery? Yeah, look, it's, um, it's still an interesting situation, isn't it, with COVID? And so we've pulled together what we call sort of scenarios around what we think is going to happen. The reality is, is that next year becomes a year of, if you like, um, you know, reviving the airline and getting ourselves back on track. And it's really not until the following year that, you know, we start to see some, some better improvements in terms of the bottom line. And then, of course, you know, um, it will then be a matter of how quickly the recovery occurs in terms of when we get back into the into the range of being able to pay dividends. So, um, you know, we've laid that out. Um, we're talking here about a multi-year program, being quite thoughtful, as I said, in terms of not only the stack we've pulled together, but the rate of recovery. And, you know, I'd like to think things will go a little bit better, but, you know, what we've put out there in the investor presentation is our best view of things as of a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, there is still a lot of uncertainty around, and um, you mentioned that the company has sort of looked at multiple different scenarios about how things could play out. But where do you see in New Zealand in the next 10 years financially, or perhaps where would you like to see well, I think it's a great business and, um, you know, and I'm obviously you would expect me to say that with the role that I have, but I truly believe that this is a sensational business. And the reason that I say that is that, you know, number one, it's got a terrific culture and that's the most important thing that you have in a business. And it's a culture that's been built up over many years. And one of the things we've focused on over these last 800 days of effectively dealing with a very difficult, uh, you know, pandemic is to maintain that culture. But we've also got a really robust plan. And that plan is incredibly simple. Um, it's about growing domestic, which of course is our core. And um, many people on the call will know that, you know, the, often the best strategy is to find out what is your core and then grow that further. So we wanna grow domestic. We wanna optimize our international business. And the word optimize there is key. It doesn't mean that we want the biggest uh, international business. What we want is we want an optimal international business. And then we're going to build out our loyalty, pro our loyalty program. We're excited about that. We've got about 3.6 million AirPoints members, about 600,000 actively engaged. So we've got a good plan. And I see no reason why Air New Zealand um, won't achieve its ambition, and ideally more than that, and it will just be gradually gaining momentum by building out our domestic business, optimizing our international, building out loyalty, and that's all going to be built around a platform of being really good at the basics in the business. Uh, dealing with sustainability, which we think is, is coming at us pretty hard and fast, but we've got some solutions that we're working on. Of course, building out our digital capability, which is critical, and finally, continuing to maintain culture and safety, which is so important to the running of the airline. Definitely keen to uh, loop back on some of those um, comments you've made around your strategy uh, in a few minutes. But first, I'm quite keen to ask this question that um, someone has asked. And, um, you know, 
recognizing that Air New Zealand has faced very extraordinary circumstances with uh, the pandemic and border restrictions. But uh, someone is um, asking, what plans do you intend to implement to ensure Air New Zealand does not fall into financial difficulties once again? Well, it's a great question. You know, one of the things that you've got to do is make sure that you've got a great team in the organisation to be able to deliver. So, you know, we've been hard at work making sure that we hold on to key people and we've brought in some new people and had some people who were with us before return. So having a great team around us, uh, making sure that we learn from some of the lessons that we've, we've had over the last two years, and that is the ability to... I guess be ambidextrous, be flexible, because you're never completely sure what's going to come next. And you know we've learnt that in spades over the last two years. So a great team who have the ability to be ambidextrous, and then importantly to ensure that you know what we're raising here is enough that we're comfortable that we can get on and execute our strategy with an insurance policy, so that we don't have to go back again. I can't sit here and no one can can accurately predict what will happen in terms of COVID, but it certainly feels that we're seeing, you know, the far side of it. Um, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in terms of travel, not just within New Zealand, but actually around the world. Um, you know, we're seeing Australia lighten, you know, really lighten up quickly and, and move with some speed. The same thing in, in the USA in most of Europe. So, you know, they're the sort of three key things that are going to be important for us. A great team, the ability to be ambidextrous, and enough in the bank that if we do have to deal with something, we're comfortable, we can handle it. Yeah, thanks. And um, Greg, you've mentioned a bit about that path to profitability. Uh, for some investors paying a dividend, not until 2026, seems like a, a very long way off. And um, just curious as to, you know, what else you might say to that. Yeah. Um, well, look, you have to put a line in the sand when you do these things and you've got to be upfront with people about what you think. But, you know, we, we can put in our forecasts and I can tell you that ideally our objective in, in the organisation is to beat those. But, you know, what you see in the investor presentation is, is a view at this point. Um, if that changes and things improve and they return quicker, then obviously it will be the board's intention to get out there and start moving dividends a bit quicker than we are. But we do have a dividend policy and we want to stick to that. Um, but, you know, so much of this is going to be determined by people's desire to get out there and travel, what else is, you know, in the pipeline, price of fuel, all those sort of things. Um, but, you know, we want, a, we want a great share price and we want to be paying dividends as quickly as we can. And uh, you mentioned there the um, investor presentation. Uh, in that document, there are a number of uh, risks to Air New Zealand that are highlighted. I'm quite keen to hear from you. Uh, what do you see as the key risks and challenges facing Air New Zealand at the moment? Well, you know, there's obviously risks that you can deal with on a reasonably short-term basis and some that are a bit more medium-term and some that are long-term. Personally, if you, if you start at the back end and you say, well, what are the ones that are going to probably be the most challenging, not just for Air New Zealand, but any airline, I think are going to be sustainability built around climate change. Now, once again, that is not the same for Air New Zealand as it is for an airline that's in Europe. 
there are alternative ways of traveling in Europe that you know allow people to make a choice between jumping on a train versus a plane. So I think Air New Zealand is in a different position than some airlines in terms of sustainability, but as a broad risk, I think that's one that you know we see coming down the path. And if you start to play out that maybe a mixture of public and private policy statements come together and sustainable aviation fuel plays out, then potentially you see an increase in price because the production of that type of fuel is considerably higher than fossil fuels. So, you know, that's a risk. Short term, of course, you've got the issue of the cost of fuel in terms of what we're seeing play out with Russia and Ukraine at the moment. Hard to predict how long that stays as it is. Um, you know, we've assumed in our investor presentation that over time that the price of fuel does come back. We think that's probably still the case, but, you know, um, if it doesn't, then what you do as an airline is that you start to learn how to deal with those things. And you can deal with, say, an increase in the cost of fuel three ways, really. You know, um, a lot of people will say, well, obviously you can hedge, and that's one way. But you can also adjust how much capacity you have out there. And then lastly, you can adjust pricing. So we won't be sitting on our hands as we deal with any of these risks, whether it's you know a, a, another variant that comes our way or whether it could be the price of fuel stays high or whether it could be climate change. We've got a very capable team in the airline. We've outlined these risks. We know what the strategies are that we would employ um, should they eventuate. Yeah, great. And keen to touch a bit more on Air New Zealand strategy. And one of the questions that we've had come in is around competition. And internationally, which airlines do you see as uh, Air New Zealand's direct rivals? And what does Air New Zealand need to do to ensure that you are um, better than this competition or can win in this space? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, as, as a broad comment to competition, you know, one of the things that we have assumed is that by and large, the competitive environment returns. And I think that's a, a pretty sensible assumption for us to make. We haven't seen a, you know, a, a collapse of, of the airline industry, despite the fact that it's gone through these two years. You know, United still out there and Singapore and Emirates, Qatar. So, you know, we've assumed that they're going to be, be up and running. We can see what's happening across the, uh, the ditch in Australia with Qantas and Virgin. So we expect competition to be there. And then it's really about, you know, ensuring that the product that we've got out there is incredibly competitive for customers. And that is a combination of things that ultimately ends up in that word value. Are you providing better value to your customers than your competitor? And value is not just price, it can be you know, uh, service, it can be the product offerings. And so we've been busy over the last two years working out how do we add more value into the airline, whether that be by improving the domestic snack options or whether it be what are we going to do about refitting um, the 787s that we have in the fleet? How are we thinking about the new 787s that come in a few years' time and what sort of layout do we want on the plane with those? So a whole suite of activities that you pull together 
that um, you know not only are good for your customers, but also good for your staff that may drive improved productivity that allow you to put an offer out there for your customers that provides better value than your competitors. We've, as I said, we haven't been sitting on our hands. There's been a lot of work done and I'm really excited with the progress that we've made. Yeah, cool. And continuing on the strategy front, uh, loyalty membership products and customer benefits is another key strategic pillar for Air New Zealand as outlined in the investor presentation that's out at the moment and you touched on it uh, a few minutes ago, Greg. You know, we, we know that this area can be huge for airlines and uh, with Qantas reporting almost $300 million in earnings for its loyalty program for the 2021 financial year, and that was the only uh, positive earnings operating segment for them, uh, given the impacts of COVID. Uh, could you talk us through a bit more about your loyalty product strategy and the benefits of, benefits of this to both customers from a customer experience and value proposition, uh, and also in New Zealand from a loyalty and revenue perspective. Yeah, sure. So you're, you're dead right. Loyalty is a big deal for, for airlines, and we've got a fantastic program, haven't we? 3.6, 3.7 million members, um, you know, as a percentage of the population, better than Amazon Prime members in the United States. So lots of people with AirPoints. About 600,000 of those are very active with us in the air, and the other 3 million are pretty active with us on the ground. So the key here is to end up with a program where um, you know people are basically prepared to pay more than a dollar for a point. And so you do that by building enough value into the program um, that people are prepared to do that. Your partners who may be buying points off you, for example, the objective there is to get them to pay more than what it costs us per point. We're quite unique in, in New Zealand in that we're quite transparent with our currency. Uh, many of your um, members will, will probably realise that most airlines aren't as transparent. You, you don't know, for example, what a Qantas point is worth. And they will adjust that currency up and down as will Air Canada and most other airlines. But Air New Zealand has always been an airline that's been built on trust, on consistency and on transparency. So we're quite unique in that one airpoint dollar is a dollar. And everyone knows that and we don't fool around with the currency. Um, that does limit to some extent our upside in terms of profit. But we're actually prepared to forego that on the basis that we think the most important thing here is to do what's right for the brand. So as we're thinking about loyalty, we're thinking about, I guess, two core groups of customers, those who interact with us predominantly on the ground and those that interact with us in the air. And the idea here is not only to get your partners to pay more than $1 for a point, but the second point is to get the people who belong to the program to burn their points. Because the key here is that the more you burn, the more you're going to want to earn. So if you're on the ground, it's about how do we create a suite of offers here that are going to encourage you to actually go out and use those points with a whole bunch of ground partners. And if you're in the air and you're flying with us, it might be built more around how do you redeem those points for more flights or upgrades or rental cars. So the team are busily working 
on that at the moment. We're working with our partners on the ground. We're working with financial institutions. We've announced, um, um, you know, something we'll do with the credit card in the very near term with uh, with the Hum Group. Um, so, and, and as well as that, we're actually investing quite a bit in building a really solid back end system. So, a lot happening. We're excited about what that opportunity is going to uh, provide for us. Thanks, Greg. Uh, that was very interesting. Uh, another aspect of your New Zealand strategy that I'm keen to learn more about is your fleet simplification strategy. Uh, could you please explain what this involves and the benefits of this? Yeah, sure. You know, over the years, and I've been around a while now and worked in about five different countries and different businesses, I have invariably found that if you can get to simplification, there's an enormous benefit. Um, complexity can provide some competitive advantage to a point, but with it comes all the issues that generally end up in higher cost. So as we've thought about the fleet, and this isn't something that's just happened recently, it's actually been a path that Air New Zealand has been on now for some time, is to end up with an incredibly simplified fleet. So if you think about it, in the investor presentation, we talk about the fact that we, over the next few years, end up with a single fleet of wide-bodied planes. So these are the, the 787 Dreamliners. And you know that adds a lot of simplicity because you're only now got engineers working on one plane. You're only selling on one plane. You're only training crew for one plane. And so you can imagine when you do that versus saying having to have 777-300s and 777-200s, you can see that you can start to simplify. You're not carrying as many spare parts. You don't have as many sim simulator training modules that people have to go through. You don't have as many collective employment agreements. So you start to get some real efficiency. So that's what's happening in wide bodied, narrow bodies. We're very happy with what we've got with the Airbuses around the A320s and A321s. We've simplified that already. And then of course, we've got the ATRs, which we're very happy with, ATR 600s, and then the slightly smaller Q300s. In time, but not for, for a few more years yet, we'll look to probably replace quite a few of those Q300s with a you know a, a electric green hydrogen electric plane as that technology becomes available. So nice simple fleet. Yeah, great. Um, turning now to your capital management plan. So 850 million of the funds raised will be used uh, in the crown loan. Uh, yet part of that recapitalisation package includes an additional one billion in support of one form or another from the government. And just curious, how much government support does Air New Zealand expect to still require over the next few years? Well, apart from the 51% that they're going to own of sort of the, the ordinary shares, that's it. Um, as I mentioned, we'll leave some redeemable share component in there until we're really comfortable that we've got sufficient liquidity to run the business. And, and that will be determined by the rate of recovery. Um, the Crown Standby Facility sits off, if you like, in the top drawer, and we hope we don't ever use it. 
um, you know, it's in, in place there simply to deal with a significant issue. We've got enough liquidity there to deal with some ups and downs, but if we had a, you know, another significant set of lockdowns that went on for months and months, um, then clearly that's what that's there to do. So quite quickly, you know, I want this business to be standing on its own, own two feet, um, doing a great job with our shareholders, of which many of your members uh, are part of now. Um, the government has always ind indicated to us, ever since I've been in this role, which is just over two years, that they like the 51% ownership. They don't want any more. Um, they see that as being important, no more, no less. And, uh, and then we're standing on our own feet, two feet and running the business. So you're right, we want to get this, this um, capital raise done. We want the $850 million repaid. That's been very useful to help us run the business during the last two years, but let's get that repaid. Um, deal with the redeemable uh, shares as quick as we can, and then we stand you know, on our own two feet. Yeah, great. And just on that shareholder register, uh, you've got an interesting cap table with the government holding that majority stake uh, that you've just talked about and the remainder being largely held by retail investors. Uh, could you talk us through what it's like having the Crown as a shareholder and how they have added value uh, and hopefully continue to do so uh, to New Zealand? Well, it's been incredibly useful, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when you go through an event like we have, which effectively is 800 days of very little, you know, um, international passenger revenue, we've had the benefit of cargo and we've been thankful for that. We've had a domestic business that's been on again and off again. Frankly, if we didn't have that government uh, loan in place, it would have been really, really difficult for us to operate. Not only to operate, as an airline properly during this two years, but then it would have hindered our ability to restart again. And, you know, as you think about the importance of cargo in this, unlike some airlines, we've actually continued to fly our international fleet right through this. We have put the 777s in the desert, but the 147879s have been flying every single day. We've been doing 100 flights a week moving that all-important cargo in and out of the country and also bringing people back home to New Zealand. So, you know, the government is incredibly important to us to be able to, to operate during that period and to allow us to restart. You know, it's a, it's a good relationship. It's transparent. Uh, we obviously had been working with them on this, uh, on this capital raise. And, you know, um, we adjust, we, we consider they've got the same interests that we do. We're aligned with what they want, which is to make sure that we run a great domestic business, that our international business is optimized. They like what we're, we're planning to do around loyalty. Um, you know, they're very keen that we, we maintain this incredible culture we have in Air New Zealand. So, you know, it's a good, strong relationship and very important to the business. And without it, um, you know, there would have had to have been considerably more changes than what we did. For more info, visit sharesies.co.nz or look us up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.